We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Oh, God, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? It is that time again. You're listening to Funky Films here. Um, if you are listening live on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM or you could be catching up later on in the week through our podcast, uh, maybe checking out some of our other podcasts on gentlemenofpopculture.com. I'm joined here by Lewis. I'm Rachel. Cecilia is out. She is. On assignment. That's right. I she, don't know, actually. She's in a conference. She's oh, she's in a conference. That's right. <coughs> yes. Oh, for God's sake, when mm. is that going to stop? Eventually. <laughs> Someday it will be gone entirely. Oh, dear me. Um, but, yes, we've got quite a but few. If anyone puts a mic in my face, it's kind of like, yeah, cue the cough. Oh, well, that, what happens to me is I forget words and um, just end up rambling. So fair enough. Fair um, enough. How's your week been? Oh, it's been okay. I went to the Van Gogh exhibition again on Monday. So again, yeah. I mean, you know me. I'm a Van Gogh tragic. Yeah. So it was nice to go by myself because um, I went with Chris last time, mm-hmm. and that was lovely as well. But it meant that I didn't feel like I had to leave at any point. So I was there for over an hour. So because I think it runs for like thirty minutes. Right. And then, I, yeah, I sat there for another 30 minutes and... Is it, yeah. like, is there... Dis- I think it's finished proje- now, Is it though. projections or...? Yeah, so it's uh, quite a big... Um, I wouldn't call it a tent, mm. uh, but it's a big structure mm. and then they've got all these projections of uh, Van Gogh paintings um, that... And they have projections of... Um, his writings, because he was a prolific letter writer to his brother Theo and mm. and his sister-in-law, and so a lot of his words pop up as well, and they go through the periods of his life, whether he was um, still in um, the Netherlands or whether he was in Arles or when his mental health wasn't great and he was in the doing all his paintings when he mm. was in the um, institute. So it it goes through bits of his life and it it is set to like classical music sort of thing. So it's really moving if you're into Van Gogh. Um, I I did speak to a friend who went to the one in Adelaide. They're all exactly the same, the Van Gogh experience. It's the same wherever it goes. But she was underwhelmed, whereas I'm because I'm such a huge Van Gogh tragic, I like I had moments the first time I went mm-hmm. where I got quite emotional. So, um, yeah, I think I just really connect with him. Is it something you walk through or do you sit and watch? Oh, you can walk through it, but it's yeah. basically a two kind of big rooms. Um, if you can imagine like uh, two rooms next to each other and then you can walk through. So there's like... It's very hard to explain and I'd draw a, a map for you but we're not a visual medium. Yeah. Um, but basically you can just choose a spot and stand there for the whole show mm-hmm. um, or you can wander around but a lot of the 
pictures. If you position yourself in the right spot, you're going to pretty much see everything because all the projections will move, um, you know, in a certain area. So, you, so you'll end up seeing basically everything. And then they have these, um, so this, uh, this picture, this painting here, which you, no one who's listening can hear, but it's <laughs> called um, Almond Blossoms. So he painted this when he found out that he was, that his nephew was born. Mm. So, um, and they named him Vincent after him. Oh, nice. And he was in this period of great depression, which he was for the majority of his life. Um, but the the almond blossom he painted like um, as a renewal of, of life and sort of thing. So they have this at one stage projected and then they've got all the blossoms. It looks like they're like... Yeah, like it's, it almost mm. looks like it's snowing and then you've got the starry night and it looks mm. like the starry mm. night is like moving. Nice. It's, yeah, it's very good. I oh. think it's, I think it may be finished. It's definitely in its last week. Um, I'm sure I can find that out. So this, this water bowl here that you dropped earlier. <laughs> yes. That, did you buy that today or did you buy it last? No, no, I, I bought that the first time I was there. Oh, well, um, at least you're, at least you're not destroying it like straight away. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things also to buy if you are interested in have, purchasing. Have you seen... I spent a lot of money. <laughs> have you seen the uh, Doctor Who episode, Vincent and the Doctor? No, I still haven't seen that. You do reference it. I, I must see it. And I just, uh, just so you know, it is still on until Sunday the 7th. So, and I believe because it's in its last weeks um, that tickets are a little bit discounted. Ah. So if that sounds like it's it's up your alley, it's um, y- you've got the next couple of days to go. There's still, yeah, you can book it online or turn up mm-hmm. on the day. So, Because in, yeah. in the episode Vincent and the Doctor... Um, you, you know, the, one of the, the tragic things about a lot of these old artists is they have no idea how famous they are. Mm. You know, I mean, Vincent van Gogh died a pauper and, uh, you know, now, like, you know, his artworks are worth, you know, billions of dollars. Well, there's actually a, a moment during that thing where they put up his his words to, to his brother Theo and saying, you know, I, I have to... Um, I have to just be okay with the fact that no one is buying my paintings mm. and will, when I'm gone, will anyone know my worth? Something to that effect. Um, and it's like, wow, if only you knew, my friend, if only you knew. Yeah, there's, there's something I wanted to, to mention about that uh, episode of Doctor Who, but because you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil uh, it for you. Oh, you can. <laughs> I mean... That's your way of saying, I'm never going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I probably won't, but I, I may. So in the in the episode, uh, yeah, Vincent says something to the effect of what you just said. Yeah. Um, how, you know, he, you know, he really doesn't see himself as a, you know, worthwhile person. Person because you know no one likes his art and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Doctor's got a time machine. <laughs> oh yeah, yep, that's true. So <laughs> I, I do. I think because I'm on a couple of um, Van Gogh groups on Facebook, I have seen bits and pieces of that. Um, I was just trying to, as you can see from the first time I oh. went, I took a lot of photos. So I was just trying to find. Um, the quote where he references the fact that oh. no one is buying his stuff. So, um, and 
that is oh, very cool. what I'm talking yeah. about there. But anyway, yes, we will shall move on because it's not movie related. But, but it I was just going to say, Doctor's Got a Time Machine takes him back to, I think it was like London Art Gallery or something like that, had a big Van Gogh exhibition on. Mm. And like just the look on his face there, <coughs> imagine he took him to that place. I know. It's it's interactive almost. Yes, he would just, his mind would just go, mm-hmm. he would have died in the future. But it's called Van Gogh Alive. I know, and he would have died. It would have been terrible. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, it's but, on at the Supreme Court Gardens until the 7th. Yeah. If you're listening live, you've you still got time. If you're listening to the podcast, it may have run out. Three days you've got. Three days, people. Get out Friday, there. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Go and enjoy it. It's amazing. Um, and again, apologies for the coughing. Uh, we've, uh, I uh, have bought a HD DVD player now. Oh, HD Blu-ray player now, mm. so uh, I can you know get the uh, the the 4K Blu-rays. Ah uh, yes, yes. And uh, and I went shopping. Oh, Kat and I went shopping on the weekend, and we bought a few uh, 4K Blu-rays. Uh, ones we thought would look good on the you know high definition, like high frame rate kind of a you know television experience. Um, we got uh, Inception. I thought that would look good. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in a higher frame rate. Um, we also got uh, what, what else did we get? Um, uh, Multiverse of Madness, the Doctor Strange film. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, I, I thought I'd, I got the bargain of the century. I know a lot of people might go, "Well, why would you buy these films?" But to me, the, the particular first one is uh, you know a film I just love as a kid, and has you know been I bought it on multiple different formats, and they had a box set of Predator, Predator Two. Predator, the uh, so Predator, Predator Two, um, Predators, and the Predator, and they had it in a box set, and it was like marked at thirty-two bucks. I was like, bargain! Then I get twenty percent off that. Awesome! I'm going to grab that. So, Cat went to the till and bought it, and then uh, it wasn't until the way home I realised they didn't charge me thirty-two dollars for it. They charged me seventy-five dollars for it. Yeah, apparently it had been mislabeled on the on the ting, on the on ticket, the t- on, the, on, the, on the ticket, on the ting, on the ting. They, they they did it on the ting and it was wrong. So went from Osborne Park to uh, to Canning, and had to go to Canning to like you know. I, I was hoping they'd just like honour the the price. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, the lady who served me said called up the the manager and he said no and and they're so, supposed to if it's marked that price they have to give it to you. Yeah, I know, I know. But I, I was we. We'd, because we had to return one of the, te- the tellies uh, mm. to get the, the other telly, we spent – Kat – we didn't. Kat did. I was walking around the shop looking at stuff. Kat spent an hour standing there getting the refund sorted. Yeah. Um, because their system was just like going, no, 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 uh, it's not working properly. Last week you were banging on about how good JB's was and now you're banging <laughs> on about how terrible they are. Well, no, I'm not saying they're terrible. I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, you, you, you take the good, you take the bad – you know, it's a fact of life is what I'm saying. Mm. Um, and uh, it was just uh, one of those disappointing things. I mean, you're right. They should have honoured the, the um, you know, 34 bucks. But I was just not. After, like, spending an hour in a shop and having to deal with that, I was just like, just refund it. Just just refund it. You'll have, a, you'll have a 50% off thing in about a week's time and then I'll buy it for that price anyway. So it's all good. It's all good. But That's, uh, that, I, I would have gone Karen on their ass. No, no. As you and I both know, we cannot Karen. Like uh, when, we, when we left the studio last week, uh, there was an ambulance that was you know, blocking the driveway. Uh, yes. You and I stood there quite, uh, you know, we're not going to be complaining about this. It's, uh, you know, somebody's being helped. 
We'll just sit here and we'll wait. You can't Karen an ambulance, no. though, well, can some, you? Well, we shouldn't be using the term Karen. I think Karen... I, know, to be honest, I've never met a Karen I don't like. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never met a Karen I didn't like either. And it's uh, it's sad that we they had to choose a name. And I think before that it was Becky. Yeah. And honestly, again, I don't know a Beck or a Rebecca I don't like. Why, why can't we just term them... You know, something not a person's name, like yeah, it, it would be preferable, wouldn't it? But yeah. maybe we'll have a think about what we might be able to name them, um, and and we'll come back and have a chat about some actual things you can see on the screen. Sounds like a plan. What do blokes get called then if they if they uh, um, you know complaining? Isn't is there a they're, they're, oh, Dave? Like um, my Dave. mate Dave said that they were called Daves for a while. But see, the thing is that you, you, when, when you take one person's name, you're tarring all these people with that kind yeah. of um, attitude. So, it's, yeah, it's kind of like we need to, take, to move away from calling them Karens and call people who, are, you know, just cannot take no for an answer um, and just, you know, they, they want things, you know, over and above what is actually acceptable. We need to find a name for those people. Yeah. I mean, arse hat comes to mind, but, and that's gender non-specific. <laughs> it is gender non-specific. Anyone cool. can be an arse hat. Exactly. exactly. Off-air suggested unhappy person, but that's, you know, well, yeah, doesn't uh, really work because that's what they are. Mm, mm. Um, but, you know, uh, hmm. yep. more thinking needs to happen. It does. It does. Did, you, did your seat just go down a little bit? <laughs> no, I'm trying to get my seat going. Um, I, it might not, but there you go. It looks like it has. Yeah. I've, I've told you before um, uh, in... Uh, dis- As I've told you before... <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I think I've told you before. In uh, Disneyland and Walt Disney World, I think more in Walt Disney World, at their, uh, um, this bar called Trader Sam's, they've got stools there um, and you're sitting on there and just like just a table, everyone's on the stool, everyone's on the same height. Someone's stool will just start going down and they just get shorter and shorter and shorter and uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry your, <laughs> uh, your wife just texted i can't say that on air love no we cannot uh, we as much as we want to call people who constantly want to complain to the manager that word uh we would also get kicked off the air so no you're not going to say <laughs> that word no i'm not um people can imagine um with their own. Yes. <laughs> they just, yeah. You know what we're saying. Without saying it, mm-hmm. you know what we're saying. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so the seat goes down. And then when you go complain to the, wait, well, you don't, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> You don't, you don't complain. You just mentioned to the staff, oh, excuse me, my seat's gone down. They go, oh, that's terrible. And then they hand you, you know those booster seats that kids get? Yeah. They hand you one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good, good fun. That's embarrassing. No, that's great. It's great. So, um, But, yeah, you talked before about movies that people can see or, or things that people can see on screens. Yes. Yeah? Right. First thing I want to talk about is something that people aren't going to see on screens. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this week, some weird, weird news. Because last week you and I were talking about the, the Flash movie um, with Ezra Miller uh, as The Flash. No, not that Flash. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's Flash Gordon. Oh. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so we, we're talking about the uh, Ezra Miller Flash um, and uh, how that film is complicated to be released because of the difficulties Ezra Miller has found themselves in recently. Yes, they've made it very difficult. 
which is terrible for me and people like me who love Michael Keaton and love Michael Keaton's Batman because... Oh, that's right. Michael Keaton's Batman was going to be, is in the Flash film. Ezra, you ruined it for everybody. You're a ruiner. And we were, So we were quite sad about that. We want to... <coughs> see this flash film we want to get our, our feel of michael keaton batman as an old man um and then this week some uh, even more devastating news came from the dc camp when they said that the batgirl movie that they have been working on diligently uh, they've spent 90 million dollars on they've done some test screenings with your people get your people put them in front of the movie mm. they watch the movie they say what they think about the movie and what they're saying about the movie is they think it kind of sucks mm. so dc <laughs> instead of in you know, their infinite wisdom yeah, in, instead of uh, and water brothers instead of going back and looking at what they've got and then, you know, figuring out how can we change this so that it's, you know, watchable. They've just gone, nah, shelve it. You know, and then they've said, we're not going to put this film out there. So this film they've spent $90 million on, admittedly not fully complete. There's probably still a lot of effects works to go and everything like that. Jeez. Just going to close the book on it and put it on a shelf. That is so much money. And those people who have seen it, they're like, what an experience. And then that's going to become a collector's item one day. Somebody will be like, oh, this is the movie that was supposed to be released 50 years ago and here it is. Well, that makes me wonder, makes me just question, is this a marketing tactic possibly? Oh. Because you remember the Schneider cut of of Justice League, right? Not that I saw either. (coughs) Did you not see either of them? No, I haven't oh. seen any of the new DC stuff. Oh, okay. So the there was a, the uh, Zack Snyder was doing the the movie, and because his his daughter committed suicide, he quite rightly so left the movie. Mm. And then they brought in Joss Whedon, who's a tool bag, to uh, finish the movie. Oh, that's off. what we should call them. A Joss Whedon. A Joss Whedon, yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah. there's some guy at the front being a bit of a Joss. Anyway. No, no, because then you're using somebody's name again. I know. There's, there's a lot of Josses out there. Probably, actually, there probably isn't that many Josses out there, is I, there? I did really? find apparently the male equivalent is Kevin or Ken, and that's quite apt because when I we, we don't like going out to dinner with my dad, Ken, mm. because he always finds something to complain about and needs to bring somebody over and say something that's very embarrassing, and he's a Ken. Oh, okay. Anyway... Jumping back to DC. Yeah, so... A Jossa. There you go. Cat's just said a Jossa. A Jossa. Well, I mean, you could get away with that because, as I said, there's not that many people that call Joss. In fact, I think Joss is probably the only Joss that there is. Uh, I think there's a a, a female singer called Joss. So there there you go. It is a male and female name. There we go. Gender non-specific. Awesome. A Jossa. We've figured it out. Well done, us. Now, um, so you had the the Justice League version that went into cinemas, Mm. but then you had this, like, outcry from all these people going... Give us the Snyder Cut because they'd heard, like, what the Snyder Cut was going to be. And, like, give us the Snyder Cut. And then and DC was like, nah, nah, the, the, the one you got the one you got. They go, give us the Snyder Cut. No, 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 we're not going to do that. Give us the Snyder Cut. 
All right then. Okay. Here it is. It's three hours long. Oh, <sighs> it was terrible. And so all, all these, all these, uh, you know, Josses just got on there and and pushed DC and pushed DC and pushed DC. Eventually, DC put uh, you know some money into finishing off the uh, the Snyder cut. They put it out there and made a bundle of cash. Now you get a film where you're not sure if it's actually as good as it should be and you're kind of like going oh how do we get this out there and make some money out of it mm. great controversy like now yes. they're gonna have all these people going well we want to see Batgirl well you can't see Batgirl we want to see Batgirl, but you can't see Batgirl. We want to see Batgirl. Here's our petition. Here's 10 billion signatures. Oh, Give us Batgirl. All of a sudden it gets released uh, and then uh, they make a billion dollars. Um, you know what? You might have a – you might have. You might be onto something there. Yeah. I mean it, it does sound like a marketing tool based on the, the Snyder Cut thing. They're like, hey, this worked once before. Hey, have you seen that um, moving on to something completely different? Have you seen the trailer for a movie called Pearl? No. So it's it's not it's a horror film, um, and I know totally off topic. Sorry, um, but it's something that's going to be on the screen at some point soon. Um, this yeah, were you done? Sorry, I should check. What's that? Oh, I was just going to say I, I'm uh, I just feel bad for everyone else involved in the Batgirl film because yes. there's actors, there's directors, there's writers, there's editors, there's caterers. You know, all these people who you see in the the letters at the end of the, the in the credits. Mm. You know, if this film doesn't come out, that they're the people who are going to be you know suffer for it. Well, surely a lot of those people have already been paid. Yeah, but it's not so much about being paid. Uh, we, we, you get paid for doing those jobs, but also you get to you know have the kudos and you get to put it on your resume and and that kind of thing. And now it's kind of True. a black mark against I them. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. And then, like you said, it's got a black mark against it, and like, oh, you worked on this film mm. that didn't even come out because it was so terrible. Now we'll get another gaffer man. Yeah. <laughs> It was yeah. It's clearly the gaffing that yeah, yeah <laughs> screwed it all up. Um, it was the best boy. You weren't the be- you weren't the best enough boy. That's what <laughs> the problem was. If you were a better boy, it would have been it would have been fine. Oh my goodness! <sighs> um, I was actually scrolling through a, a Facebook page that I um, am on that has to do with movies, and someone had posted like pictures, little snapshots of Batman over the years Mm -hmm. and how you could see it had gone from like quite light and then slowly got darker and darker and darker and then they showed like the version of 2050 and it's just a black screen. Mm -hmm. It's like that feels feels totally accurate. (laughs) Um, But anyway... I was I was scrolling, scrolling, trying to find um, that so I could make some kind of a reference to it. But what I did see um, pop up was a film called Pearl, which I'm not too sure when it's coming out, but sometime this year, I think. Um, it is from the production studio A24. So, you know, they bring out all the... Um, the, the newer horror films these mm. days, very well known for them. Well, A24, a they uh, they had a, a bit of a, um announcement this week. <gasps> Did they? Yeah, well... Um, Look at me getting on a, a segue without even knowing on it. Because they... Knowing on it? <laughs> knowing it. Because they uh, were the people who released the film Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yep. And that was their first film to make a crap load of money. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much. Um, I think it was, was it a billion? I'm not sure. Let me uh, have, let me I, I actually, I do remember that popping up it, on my um, talkies, but um, they're, they're behind Hereditary and um, uh, Midsommar and um, Ex Machina and <clears throat> a bunch of others, The Lighthouse and whatnot. Um, but Pearl is, um, it's about a young woman 
named Pearl. It's set in the 40s, I believe, and all she wants to do is become a famous Hollywood actress. Um, But what's standing in her way, unfortunately, is her parents. So I'm not too sure what's going on with her mum, but I think her father has some kind of a um, disability. He's in a chair, um, a wheelchair, and it looks like she might be going to kill her parents to get to Hollywood. Oh. So, I mean, you know, not the best way of getting to Hollywood, um, but, you know, it's 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 one way. But, yes, they, they were indeed the people behind uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Does she really have a googly eye stuck to her forehead? Uh, there is a point in the film where she does, yes. Okay. But the, the, they made, uh, so Everything Everywhere All at Once becomes the first A24 film to gross $100 million at the global box office, which doesn't seem like a, a lot because, like, when you look at this film, you're going, this must have cost a fortune to make, but I'm, uh, clearly I'm, I'm mistaken. Maybe they make their films, you know, very uh, cheaply, but they can do a lot with the money they've got because that film looks great. So I on this other page, if, if anyone's interested, it's called the, the Movie Crushers page. It's a... a it's about a it's a podcast that's now defunct but um a lot of the people on there massive movie fanatics like myself so i do see a lot of stuff on there and one of the guys on there uh recently visited the laundromat that they use in the movie and he was like super excited to to go and visit and he talked to the people behind the counter and he was sure they must be getting people coming in all the time to get photos and they're like no not really and he's like dude you need to like merchandise this and put this on facebook and advertise and um he he bought himself a a laundry bag (laughs) so yes nice Hmm. (laughs) um should we talk about stuff we've we've actually seen uh yeah okay are we ready uh we we can we can do that 25 26 minutes in well i I, i'll hold off on bullet train because that's the big big that's the big seller Uh, to talk about this week. Um, but there were a couple of TV shows that I uh, reviewed uh, and I watched recently. Mm. Now, they've got a common thread between them, these two shows. Now, one is on Stan. It's called Evangeline. Um, and it's about the... Um, Evangeline is this, like, prototype kind of celebrity for being a celebrity. So She's like the Paris Hilton before Paris Hilton existed. Yeah, so in the... Uh, early 90s. She had a big poster, right? Well, all these, all billboards. these billboards mm. turned up around Los Angeles with this uh, woman, like, posing provocatively and just a phone number for her management. But she never actually did anything as far as I could tell. Like, you know, she was in Earth Girls Are Easy in a cameo role, but she never really, like, became an actress because, like, you know, she'd only ever appear as herself in things. Um, And she would just, you know, make money by selling, you know, posters and stuff out of the back of her car or magazines. Um, I'm trying to find... It's on Stan. Yes. How on earth do you even spell it? Uh, Yeah, it's Angeline. Angeline. A-N. And she... So that's that's how she she makes her her living, and the question was who is she? Because no one knew for a very long time, and this uh, biopic um, starring um, Emmy Rossum uh, explores her. What 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 are you? It does not look like uh, Emmy Rossum. That's all. Yeah, it's Emmy Rossum. Okay. Oh, and Martin Freeman. The 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 the, the boobs are very fake, like you know, literally, <laughs> yes, yeah, fake boobs. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, yeah, it, it explores her her early life and uh, you know how she got 
famous, for lack of a better term. Mm. Um, and uh, it's just, it's a really interesting story, but it just takes a long time to get started. The last episode is the best episode. and I mean, that's just frustrating. Yeah, and, and so that, which was weird. So you had this, like, build-up that was kind of dragging and the last episode was really good. The other um, show I watched, another uh, biopic, was called Inventing Anna, which is a story of a uh, Russian girl who uh, her family moves to Germany and then she moves to uh, America, to New York, and she poses as a German heiress. And by doing that, she kind of uh, you know, convinces a lot of people to uh, you know let her stay in hotels, and people will you know provide things for her, and she like builds herself up to almost getting enough you know money, like millions and millions and millions of dollars, to start a like a foundation kind of mm. thing. Um, and when you're watching this, you're just going, "How did she do this? It seems so implausible. It just seems ridiculous." But the actual build-up of the show is really interesting. Mm. Like, the, the, the show is gripping. You're just wondering where it's going. I just got so angry with her oh, while yeah. I was watching it. But did you find – I found it was interesting, though, when you were, when you were watching it, you were kind of like, am I annoyed at her or is this – because the people that she's, like, ripping off are just really, really rich people and uh, well, hotels that have insurance. And so it was. it's not victimless crime. There's always going to be a victim to the crime, but – the people that she's ripping off. It's not like she's taken money from poor people. She did rip off a couple of her friends, though. Well, she people did. People that thought they were friends. Yes. Kind of accidentally, though. How accidentally? She did not do that accidentally. Oh, my credit card is not working. When we get back, I'll pay you back. It's like, dude, she's so manipulative. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, at, at some point you do kind of understand that like if you are going to build something like the, she wants this foundation to be, you know, um, full of beautiful art and I mean it, it is a really great idea that she's got and you do have to get investors somehow and how do you get those investors if you don't like, if, if you're not at a certain echelon. So I kind of get why she decided to go that way because she's like, I want to do this thing, but if I don't have investors, then I'm not going to be able to do it. So, I mean, but there are other ways to get investors. You don't mm. need to do it the nefarious way. And then if you go on to, because she's, she's gone to jail, she's out of jail already. Um, and if you go onto like her Instagram or watch her videos or whatever, she's got zero remorse. She's like, I had a fantastic idea and I was trying to get investors. So, yeah, I can't do that accent of hers. It's it's wild. Do you, do you think that she'll like now she'll you know profit from this? Oh, one hundred percent. She's already profiting. Oh man. She's it's got Instagram and, and still people follow her and think she's amazing and, you know, brilliant and she's got like people who work for her, like personal assistants and stuff. Yeah, see, it's pretty gross. So you got to uh, that, that, that's, that's the thing I just don't understand is like when people, they do the wrong thing and then they, they profit from it, which is mm. just oh, so frustrating. And so I don't think she can profit in America, but she can profit elsewhere. Mm, mm. And I'm pretty sure she profited from the Netflix um, TV series. Oh, right. In some manner. So we're not helping while watching that. Don't watch that show. <laughs> it was really great, but don't watch though. it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so that one was really good up until the last episode. And then the last episode was kind of like, well, that was a bit of a letdown. So, yeah, it was, to, to me it was uh, kind of a reverse of the, uh, of the Angeline one. 
It's been a while since I watched that, so I can't actually remember what the, the final episode was about or why it would let you down, oh. but I will definitely not ask you that on air for those people who are still wanting to watch it. Yes, yes, indeed you can do that. So, yeah, um, so I would give um, uh, Angeline uh, three pink Corvettes and I'll give Inventing Anna uh, four uh, credit cards that don't work. <laughs> Perfect. All right, well, I've got some TV shows that I have seen through the week, um, but I might just quickly play a sponsor. Did you know that Fremantle has its very own art house cinema? You'll find Luna on Essex, midway along Essex Street in the heart of Fremantle, screening an incredible variety of niche, foreign language and quality mainstream films in comfortable and intimate surrounds. It feels more like your own home movie theatre rather than a cinema. Catch up with friends for a pre-show drink in the fully licensed alfresco area or enjoy a glass of wine and a cheese platter during the movie. Check out what's on along with details of forthcoming films, festivals and added value events at lunapalace.com.au. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. So I talked last week about the fact that I, I need to get rid of Stan because I can't have all of the streaming services. So I went on there and made a list of things I wanted to try to watch before I got rid of Stan. Um, and it's my, my list here, because I, I love a list is called Get Rid of Stan List. <laughs> um, and so you've got movies like New Tuesday and Pig, uh, Nitrum um, that are on there. But then I've got a bunch of TV series that like Yellowstone and um, the great second season of The Great that I need to watch. There's a, a, a new Julia Roberts TV show on there called Gaslit. Mm. There's one called Clarice, which is about Clarice Starling, um, Silence of the Lambs. From yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Um, and also Minx, which I thought, think, did you watch Minx? Yes, I watched it, yes. Is it good? Yes, it's good. Okay. So that's about like, the it's a, it's a fiction, but it's about someone who starts a, a uh, dirty magazine for women like Playgirl. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I didn't watch any of those. Uh, oh, apparently Robot Chicken is still on. It is. Robot Chicken's on that, yeah. I, I was scrolling through stuff trying to find what I wanted to put on my get rid of Stan list <laughs> and I put Robot Chicken on there because I haven't watched it for years and I'm like, is it still as good yes. as it used to be? <laughs> yes, it is. It is? Yep. That's very exciting. I, I shall – and the episodes are, are short like they used they to be. Are, yes, also very good to know. Um, I might have to watch some of them. But what I did watch is I spent the whole week um, watching true crime type stuff because um, I'm a, I'm a, it's my interest, all right? Don't judge me. <laughs> so um, one of the, the first thing I watched was The Thing About Pam, which I believe is also streaming for free on um, uh, Nine Now is that their streaming service, Channel Nine? I'm, st- I assume yeah. it is. I've never watched it. So you can, so you can watch that on Nine Now as well for free if you don't have Stan. Um, so the thing about Pam is it stars um, Renee Zellweger. She's wearing, I, I guess, a fat suit. Fat suit. So she's not done the Bridget Jones thing where she's right. put extra food in her mouth to expand her waist. She's put prosthetics on. So. Um, Good on her um, instead of like, you know, treating your body in, in that manner just for... Isn't that what gave Tom Hanks diabetes because he had to keep getting big yep. for movies and reducing his size? It's not it's not healthy. Um, but anyway, um, it, it, this 
this story is absolutely wild. It's not a docu-series. It's a, um, a made-for-TV, you know, TV series about, you know, something that happened, like a true crime thing, but it's not a docu-series. That makes sense. I'm trying to use words to make um, sense. <laughs> Sentences. <laughs> Try to use words so you, to make you cough when you get the microphone. I just ramble and you blank. You blank. I I do blank out. Yeah. I do blank out. But anyway, so you know what I'm talking about. It's obviously a fictional fictionalized version of this true crime event. Right. What? There's a name for that. What? Cat? Can you remember what it's called and text me? Well, it's a, a fictionalized version of a true crime event. Yeah. Right. So but it's coming. You know, based on, based true on a true story. story. Yes. Thank Is, you. Was that what you were looking for? Was that what you were digging a hole like yep. for the last ten minutes, like uh-huh. to find based on a true story? That's one of the things about ah, inventing Anna. You know, at the beginning of that that show, everywhere there's hidden somewhere. Not sometimes it's like really freaking. Oh obvious, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like um, this story is completely true except for the bits that are completely made up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah this is definitely um, definitely cinema. <laughs> Cat just messaged a story. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is the same. It's based on a true story, but there's bits that are completely, you know, can't be true. Mm. Um, especially the bit where Pam is, like, talking, breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to you. Um, but this happened, uh, I, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something. This woman became friends with another woman um, who was undergoing cancer treatment and she got really... Um, controlling of that particular friendship without this person really realising what was going on. Um, She then uh, got her to sign over her life insurance to her. Oh. Um, And then her husband was out at a night out with his mates, like a Dungeons and Dragons, playing Dungeons and Dragons, smoking a bit of weed, having some Arby's, just hanging out with his mates, came home, wife dead on the floor, Stabbed. Oh no! So wait, wait, wait. So which wife? The, the wife of the can the, the cancer. The wife cancer wife was dead. Yeah. Wow. And Pam was just like, "Oh, that's terrible." But you know, the husband, he's that. You know, he's really abusive. Maybe you should look into him. And so she became the um, like the star witness in the case against the husband. And um, but her the the cancer lady's life friend, insurance. Pam had been signed, signed over, over to, Pam, to Pam and then Pam got a knife in the neck? Pam didn't get oh, so, the knife. So, 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 so the, the, the counsellor got a knife in the neck? Yeah. And Pam's going to benefit from the life. Mm-hmm. Wow. And the husband's the uh, the, the, the prime suspect, she, eh? She, she framed him basically. Right. So um, it, it's a really, really interesting TV show and I already knew the story because I'd listened to a few podcasts about it and I'm just like, this is wild like this woman is completely crackers um so it's it's got kind of a tongue-in-cheek aspect to it as well like it's not fully like dark it's it's dark in bits but I know but there's bits where she's where she's talking to the police and she's like uh so he was like you know gonna put a pillow over her face and stuff and he's like I'm gonna put this pillow over your face and stuff and then when she's saying like she's pretending to be um, the husband, um, you can see the husband's face and he's like saying the words. Are they doing it drunk history style? Yes. Right. Yes. Thank you. Um, not through the whole thing, mm. just occasionally when she's talking to the um, 
police. Right. Anyway, it's really, really interesting. Renee Zellweger is fantastic, as she always is, and you can watch it free through the, the Nine now or it is also on Stan. The other true crime based on a true story um, thing that I, <laughs> that I watched was Dr Death. Do you know who Dr Death is? Do you know anything about Dr. Death? No, it's a dude from um, Dawson's Creek. It is Joshua Jackson. This is correct. Um, so, again, I found out about this guy through a podcast because that's what I do. Um, he was a neurosurgeon who, during the space of like a year or so, he did 38 operations and of those 38, 33 had catastrophic um, injuries from it. Two died. And he internally decapitated his best friend um, who, who went in for, like, surgery on his neck. Right. And he basically um, took out so much bone uh, that the guy was internally decapitated. So he's now quadriplegic. Well, he's not anymore. He passed away. But oh, Jesus. So they call him Dr. Death for a reason. Um, and there were these other two doctors who have had to come in and fix surgeries that he's messed up. You know, he's paralysed people. He's um, it, One person, he took a chunk out of their esophagus and when he pulled it out, he's like, oh, this guy's got a tumour, uh, we need to sew him up. And then he shoved like a sponge in there and it got sewn into the guy and then he got like a really bad infection and almost died. So, Wait, was, so was this guy... It's in America. Yeah. Was this guy like a serial killer or was he just a nutbag who just couldn't do surgery? This is the question. So you've got these two doctors that are um, pushing the Dallas Medical Board to like take his licence away from him because he's either... Like one of the doctors was like, this guy's maybe an imposter. Like he's not even who he says he Mm. is. He's a person who's just walked off off the street and taken somebody else's name and he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Um, And... He explains it to the lawyer who ends up taking this on because they've, generally speaking, these sort of things get covered by mal malpractice insurance claims and stuff like that. Um, but their argument is he's done 33, 38 surgeries. Of these 38, so many of them have gone wrong, including, you know, um, turning people into quadriplegics, mm. you know, killing people. So the... He has a reasonable idea that if he operates again, he's re- he should be reasonably sure that he's going to cause catastrophic um, mm. injuries. Um, so that is the argument that he's he, the intention is to harm this person because he clearly doesn't know what he's doing or he's choosing to do the wrong thing. Mm. Um, but the surgeon who's played by... Um, so you've got the two other surgeons played by... Um, Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin. Again, both of them absolutely awesome. Alec Baldwin is so um, understated with his with his performance. It's it's really really cool to watch. But um, he explains it to the lawyer as you can't put a screw in the wrong place if you're doing spinal surgery because you should be putting it into a bone, not a muscle. Mm. And it would be the same as someone like you cutting into a steak uh, and if someone puts a piece of wood in that steak and you go to cut it, you know, you can feel it with your knife that there's clearly something stopping you. Mm. So if he was to put, if you put a knife into a piece of steak, you feel that it's a piece of steak. It's the same if you're doing that surgery. If you put screw in a muscle, you know you're putting a screw in a muscle. So it's a really, really interesting um, TV series that by the time I finished watching it, I was 
I couldn't sleep. Mm. Um, Joshua Jackson was amazing. And then I watched the um, docu-series, Dr. Death, The Undoctored Story, and it interviews all these people that he injured and the doctors who tried to get his licence removed and everything. It's fascinating. They're both on stand. So, yeah, I've still got a bunch of stuff still to watch on stand, but there's a couple of things. Um, I'm going to give all of those things um, four holy molies. Excellent. Oh, I think we've got one more ad, so we should play that. We do. Come back and do Bullet Train. Bullet Train, indeed. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. So it's been a, a bit of... Uh, time between uh, action films for Brad Pitt, although admittedly he was in uh, The Lost City uh, which was the Sandra Bullock um, oh, yes. Channing Tatum film earlier this year, uh, playing Jack Trainer, and that was a very action role I think the last time I saw him, just briefly, was in Deadpool 2. Yes, and it was a very brief kind of appearance as well. It in, was extremely brief. Yeah, it was. <laughs> this was a bit longer than uh, that one in Bullet Train. And there is a uh, post-credit scene that he also appears in, uh, not in Bullet Train, sorry, in, uh, in The Lost City. Lost City. Um, but then, uh, yeah, before that, like, it's been like a bit of a time, I guess, the, the biggest thing he did before that was, um, you know, in recent times was that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, but, yeah, he hasn't really been making a lot of films, just doing a little bits and pieces here and there. Um, so it's great to see him back in an, in an action kind of role because he does action really good because the guy has got, you know, great action chops but then great comic timing. Yeah. Which is what you need to be a good in an action film. I mean, you could be great at action and be a Jean-Claude Van Damme but you haven't got that comic timing and so you just don't have that same kind of appeal. And, and you need that in, in action, I think, to... To, ma- to pull it all together. Mm, definitely, definitely. And th- this film, like, he's got a great supporting cast. Um, I'm only going to mention, uh, you know, a couple of people that you, you might kind of recognise uh, with, you know, Brad Pitt plays the character of Ladybug. Um, Aaron Taylor-Johnson plays the character of, uh, of Tangerine. Um, but as the film progresses, you're going to meet a, a heap of other characters uh, and there's a lot of cameos of some uh, pretty pretty famous people and some not-so-famous people, but you'll know them from other things. Mm. Um, but it's a, it's a you know, fantastic cast, uh, like, you know, headed up by Brad Pitt. He's in, in most of the scenes in this film. Um, and I'm not going to give away too much of the, the the story. You know that this film is going to be set on a bullet train. It's called Bullet Train. Yeah. It's in the title. It gives it away. That's the, that's the star of this movie is a bullet train. Pitt's on a train. Exactly. Now, Ladybug is an unlucky assassin who's determined to do his job peacefully because he's had one too many mishaps during his you know uh, time as an assassin. Because people died, but the wrong people. So maybe he's just bad at his job. No, no, you got you got uh, you got to see the movie to appreciate uh, okay. this. Okay, yeah. Um, so he's got this uh, latest mission he's got to do, which is basically a snatch and grab on a bullet train. Get in there, grab a beat briefcase, get off the train done and dusted, bosh, you're good, let's go for it. But things go awry because not just him is on the train but there's a bunch of other, you know, uh, assassins that are uh, on the train as well um, and they all want this briefcase and then things go... There must be something very cool on this in this briefcase. Well, maybe there is. Uh, you'll, you'll have to go and <laughs> Again, see, you have to see it. Exactly. You have to go and see this film to, to really understand it. Now, this film is great. Like, if you're wanting... Two hours and six minutes of uh, just action. <laughs> That's very specific. 
it is, yeah. If you want two hours and <coughs> six minutes of action, um, then uh, this is a film I would uh, recommend for you. Um, as I said, absolutely fantastic cast. Uh, it's just great. But the direction, because it's directed by uh, David Leach, but I swear that this film... If you had a love child between, uh, um, between, oh, I'm just betwixt, betwixt, yes, betwixt, <laughs> between. I just um, really like that word betwixt. <laughs> if you had um, a a love child of a film uh, that was uh, between Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino uh, Guy Ritchie, yep, and Shane Black, oh. this would be that film. That is a really good combo. It is. It is. It's just. Uh, it, it just. I mean, although in this film there is no Christmas and there is no uh, Robert Downey Jr., but still, uh, it's just. It's great. Oh, it's so good. Like the the Tarantino part comes from like flashbacks of characters, mm. um, and the uh, the uh, uh, guy Ritchie thing. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson plays this, you know, very British assassin kind of character. Just like you feel like your know, guy Ritchie was there, going, "Now I want you to do this," and just like you just had that feeling from it. But he just had and that, all the slap. Yeah. So um, David Leach, I'm not sure like what he's done before, but yeah, he clearly uh, you know knows knows what he's doing. Oh, okay. Um, so he's known for as a director for uh, Deadpool two. Ah, oh. oh. <laughs> which is you know, Brad. I picked it. Brad was in that one. Um, he's Pretty also uh, known for the Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Right. So this guy knows how to do like action comedy. Um, yeah, he's he's clearly very very good. And yeah, Bullet Train is great. Um, and I suppose when you talk about Shane Black, he's the one that that element is the the slapstick. And the the comedy. It's the comedy kind of like that yeah. that that, that humour kind of element that you've got going. And, there. and the humour just keeps getting because one thing after another happens to yeah. be going wrong. I mean, I mean, the thing like uh, you know when you you look at um, some of the Shane Black films where like somebody gets accidentally killed or yep. how people react. It's like you know yeah. It's just I I just think that the, this is a one of those films where you can just see where he's being influenced by it and it's brilliant. Like that's what art is, is like taking stuff that's come before and building on it and then making it better. And and that's what uh, David's done with this film is he's just taken, you know, action beats from other films and like, you know, concepts from other directors and just mashed them together and it is just just wonderful and mwah, you know, <laughs> it's just, ah, I was so, so freaking happy with this film. And, you know, it's set in Japan. Like, you know, th- that's the thing as well. Like, so many films are set in America. Mm. And it's kind of like, oh, great. You know, could you imagine if this was a film set on a train in America? It'd be like, it'd just be a normal train. Yeah, yeah. This is a freaking bullet train, people. This thing's going they, fast. They do go fast. Have you been on the bullet train? I, I train? have, yes. I'm, I, I've been on a bullet train, mm. not the bullet train in Japan. Mm. But, like, you, you look outside and it's just like... It's a blur. It's a blur. Yeah. And then you it did did the bullet train in Japan have like the the speed? Yeah, I, they didn't. They never like actually, displayed. I don't recall them seeing it there. No, because the one in that we took from Paris to the south of France, you could see the the speed. They had it like on a little digital mm. readout in each carriage, so we'd be like, oh my god! And Chris would be taking photos of the speed because he couldn't believe how fast it was going. Oh, okay. Well, apparently I, I, I didn't go on a bullet train in Japan. Apparently I went one in China. So Apparently. apparently. 
I, I did go on a train in Japan that I thought was going very fast, but uh, maybe I was mistaken. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but the, yeah, the one the one in uh, China was just like, you know, you're going 400 kilometres an hour. And it's like, wow, that's really quick. Yeah, that's scary. Mm. It's like, it, yeah, what happens if a car goes like, you can't stop. No, that's, that's right. The car gets obliterated. I think and then that's what happens. everybody dies. Yes, yes. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's not get depressed about cows. Um, <laughs> Yes, a bullet train is is fantastic. Uh, The tagline for it is the end of the line is just the beginning. It is rated R for strong and bloody violence, pervasive language and brief sexuality. Brief sexuality? I cannot recall much sexuality in the film whatsoever. That's a weird... There's some brief sexuality in this, so there you go. Um, Bullet trains, right? Yeah, and yeah, but Japan as a like you know, is a character in itself. I don't know why more things aren't set in Japan. It's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, bullet train, I uh, loved it to death. I am going to give it um, five uh, train tickets. And Kat gave me a uh, you know a, a score yesterday. And I completely forgot what it was. Oh. So yeah, I don't know if it was like you know five. Uh, oh, like, but she gave five. She, I'm pretty sure it was five. Yeah, she. That's was that's pretty spectacular. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Just oh, loved it. I loved, you know, Brad Pitt's talking about you know giving up acting or, or like you know coming to the end of his acting career. Mm. Don't do that, mate. Liam Neeson, this this thing. Five Sony Walkman phones. Five Sony Walkman phones. There you go. Because mm. yeah, oh yeah, because Cat loves this. Because it's a Sony movie, right? Um, Sony used to make phones. Cat had a Sony phone. She loved it. And then iPhones came and went, nah, no more of that and uh, took over the market. I, I do like um, her train of thought there. Yeah, very nice. You very see nice. what I, I did? I see what you did there. You I did? did there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. need to point it out. Anyway, um, have we got any last thoughts on anything in particular before we wrap it up another show? Well, uh, around eight thirty tonight on YouTube, uh, Jason and I are going to do a spooky quacker. Do you do it? Li- do you like put it up live? Like, yeah, do it just, live. Just goes live. So wowzers. Yeah. So just uh, we we go we go uh, yeah uh, just um, put it all out there. You know? And and what are you talking about tonight? Well, much much of what we've spoken about tonight. Uh, yes, but you can swear. Yeah, Batgirl will be <laughs> Batgirl will be discussed. Uh, talking about uh, uh, um, uh, Bullet Train as well. Um, Talking about uh, the Flash movie. So, yeah, it's just going to be... And also you've got Jason's take on things as well. That is the case. Mm, which is always good. Exactly. So, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. Um, and uh, what else is there? Um, next week is Nope. Going to be seeing nope, nope, not coming for that. Yep. Um, and uh, on Disney Plus tomorrow, the new Predator film Prey releases on Disney Plus. I didn't even realise there was a new one coming out. Looks good. Set. And what are you going to do? You don't even have the collection anymore. I know. But this one is set in 1920s and it's Ooh. a... Uh, the like Predator's a, wearing a flapper dress. No, no, no. no. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's 1820s. Um, so no flapper no, dress. No, no, no. The, the, the person, uh, like uh, the main human character, I think, is a Native American uh, a, of the Sioux tribe, I think. And I don't know if the Predator is the prey or if she's the prey. But it's going to be interesting to find mm. out. Interesting. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, we're going to head out of here. If you are listening live, um, I introduced Chris and I introduced our son to John Farnham over the week. <coughs> he appreciated it. So, did he say he's the voice? 
Uh, you better understand it. <laughs> Not playing that song because it's quite long. But uh, anyway, this is uh, a song for Michael. Jane Far- uh, John Farnham? Jane Farnham. John Farnham, Chain Reaction. But if you're not listening live, um, just check it out on YouTube or Spotify, I guess. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.